0: Over the last 30 days, we have been in a concentrated period of time of seeking the Lord's face through a devotional that we have shared together, and the focus of which is experiencing personal revival. And revival is simply a re-energizing of our love for the Lord Jesus Christ and our commitment to Him. Each of those devotions has concluded with this challenge to us to pray for revival in our lives in our family and in our church and the focus for today is from first kings chapter 18 verses 20 through 40 which i'll read in just a moment but there are three questions in the devotional for today one am i hungry for personal revival Is there a thirst, a hunger in me for the outpouring of God's Spirit in my life? Two, am I hungry to see revival in my family? And then third, am I hungry to see revival in the church? And then this question, do I know of anything in my life, any sin or area of disobedience that would cause God to choose not to sin, Revival to my life, to my family, or to the church. Is there anything in my life, sin, an area of disobedience, that would cause God to choose not to send revival to my life, or to my family, or to the church? Elijah ministered in a day when the nation of Israel had turned its back, on God. And they had chosen to go their own way. And in 1 Kings chapter 18 is the story of Elijah facing the nation of Israel with their need to come back to God. First and Second Kings carry much of the outlook of the book of Deuteronomy. God is presented as being in control of nature and history. But the nation of Israel was in a very difficult period of time. The city of Jerusalem and the temple had been destroyed. The royal line of David, the great king of Israel in its past, looked like it was about to come to an end, which means the Messiah would not come through that line. The people of Israel were questioning God's power and His presence among them. And in 1 Kings, Elijah is coming on the scene to say, God is acting to preserve the nation. If you'll just repent and ask for forgiveness, and come back to him. Now the nation of Israel at that time was overseen by a king by the name of Ahab, and a wife by the name of Jezebel. And I don't need to tell you any more about them, because I can guarantee you, none of you have ever met a woman named Jezebel. That tells you all you need to know about his wife. But King Ahab and Jezebel had come on the scene and taken over the leadership of the nation of Israel. And in so doing, they had implemented the worship of a God called Baal. Now, as you read through the Old Testament, you will see Baal worship come up over and over again. And often it comes up... With different names because the idea of Baal worship is that you just didn't have Baal that they worship, but they had like all these extended family false gods that they worship. So it was Baal of Peor and Baal of this and Baal of that and Baal of the other. And then the, Baal's mother had a whole set of prophets that were serving her. In fact, they ate dinner at Ahab's table. That's the place of honor that they had. Now, Baal worship featured several different aspects. The first aspect was fertility of the land. The culture of that day was an agrarian culture. And everything, as we would say in our culture today, sort of evolved around the family farm. And those of you that have done any farming know that if you've got rain, you're going to be in good shape. But if you're in drought conditions, you're in bad shape. And the issue that they were looking towards Baal for is that Baal would provide the rain so they would have the crops and they would be okay. And so the worship of Baal was supposed to result in getting good rain so that you would have a good harvest. And so that was the reason that Baal worship became so popular because most of the people of Israel were farmers, and they were dependent on the rain, and so therefore they were trusting Baal to give them the rain. Now, the other aspect of fertility was human fertility, and that is back in those days you wanted to have a large family, and the more children that you had, the more blessed that you were. Now, why was having so many kids so important? Well, for one reason, uh, to put it pretty bluntly, if you've got a big farm that you're trying to... Uh, raise all these crops and so forth. And the more kids you got, the more farm hands you've got. So it, you know, it's just to your advantage to have a whole lot of kids. So you got a whole lot of farm hands around there. Also, passing on the family name in those days was extremely important, having a legacy. And so children were a very important part of that, and so families were very large in those days. And so they would pray to this Baal God. Now, things had really degenerated because often when they would come together to worship, you had a group of Baal priests, you had priestesses, and then they had literally temple prostitutes because the worship of Baal in the temple often uh, resulted in lustful acts uh, and so forth. So it was a sort of a marriage between a trust in Baal to take care of the lamb mixed with a whole lot of lewdness and lust that was going on which meant for a pretty powerful situation. Now... The story takes place on Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel is a very large, long mountain range in Palestine, and it is a very fertile place. It's one of the few places in the nation of Israel that has got some lush pasture land that's coming down on the side of that mountain. At one time, Mount Carmel had been the place of the worship of the Lord God, and there had been an altar there. But when we come to this story, the altar has been knocked down, and in its place is going to be the worship of Baal. So Elijah is going to challenge the prophets of Baal here on Mount Carmel. So let's join the story. 1 Kings chapter 18, beginning with verse 18. And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you have. This is this confrontation that Elijah is having with Ahab, because Ahab has just accused Elijah of being a troublemaker. But you have in your father's house, because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Now, therefore, send and, gather, send and gather all Israel to me at Mount Carmel and the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Ashtoreth who eat at Jezebel's table. And again, Ashtoreth was the mother of Baal. And so you got 400 prophets of this particular false god who were eaten at the table of the queen. Verse 20, so Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping or hopping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. Elijah said to the people, I, even I, only am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let two bulls be given to us, and let them choose one bull for themselves, and cut it in pieces, and lay it on the wood, but put no fire to it. And I will prepare the other bull, and lay it on the wood, and put no fire to it. And you call upon the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of the Lord, and the God who answers by fire, He is God. And all the people answered, it is well spoken. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose for yourselves one bull and prepare it first. For you were many and called upon the name of your God, but put no fire to it. And they took the bull that was given them and they prepared it and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, no one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made. And at noon, Elijah mocked them, crying, saying, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is musing, or he is relieving himself. Well, Elijah got pretty uh, tight there with his comments. Or he is on a journey, or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon from them. And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation. But there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come near to me. And all the people came near to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the twelve tribes of the sons of Jacob. To whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench around the altar, as great as would contain two seeds of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood. And he said, Fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water ran around the altar and filled the trench also with water. And at the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, or Jacob, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant, and that I have done all things at your word, Answer me, O Lord. Answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon. And slaughtered them there. The fire of God. Fell that day. On Mount Carmel. But the fire of God. Requires courage. The fire of God. If we're going to experience it. Requires courage. Notice. Notice. What Elijah says to the people. Elijah walks up on Mount Carnal, He looks out and the nation of Israel has gathered there. And he looks out on the people and he says, you got to make a decision. Are you going to follow the Lord God or are you going to follow Baal? And they don't say a thing. And he looks at them and he says, You guys are limping. The Hebrew word there is actually the idea of hopping. In other words, you hop over here one day and you serve Baal, and then you hop over here another day and you serve the Lord God, and you just hop back and forth all the time. You can't even make up your mind who you're going to follow, who you're going to serve, and who you're going to walk with day by day. And so Elijah stands up there as one prophet, and he says, I'm going to serve the Lord and I'm going to challenge the prophets of Baal to meet me out here on Mount Carmel. Now, Elijah looks around, and he looks at the nation of Israel, and he says, will one person, will any of you serve the Lord? And they all stand there in dead silence, hopping back and forth, limping around. Elijah looks around, he can't find one prophet. Now, the previous chapter indicates to us that there were other prophets of God in the land, but not one prophet shows up that day to take a stand. So you got hundreds of prophets in Israel who will not stand up for the Lord combined with a whole nation in front of Elijah that will not stand for the Lord. And Elijah's the only guy on the scene. And notice what Elijah's doing. He's got the government staring him down. King Ahab and Jezebel are against him. He's got 450 prophets that are standing there ready to take him out. And he's only one guy. And that's all it takes. That's all it takes. If God's got one person who will stand for Him, that's all it takes. Folks, the fire of God, the work of God is not dependent on the crowd. It is dependent on having God having at least one person in the mix who says, I'll stand for the Lord. I'll walk with the Lord. The fire of God fell that day not because Elijah won a popularity at poll, not because there was a crowd there, but because one man said, I will stand for the Lord God and I will pray and ask for the fire of God to come down. So many times we think that the crowd's got to be on God's side in order for something to happen. That we got to be really popular in order for something to happen but God's just looking for one person that's all it requires and Elijah was willing to stand and be that one person now notice what happens in verse 28 the prophets of Baal go nuts up there walking around there they are raving they are screaming they are cutting themselves blood's gushing all over the place and if you'd walked up there you'd have thought that you know they just let a bunch of lunatics out there on there and they're just running all over the place now actually that was their way of worshiping They would cut themselves, they would scream, they would yell. And part of it was the idea that they were reenacting Baal dying and coming back to life. Satan's always got some type of crazy imitation of what God does. And they're doing all this screaming and carrying on and looking crazy. And then notice what it says in verse 29. There was no voice, there was no answer, there was nothing. The harder they screamed, the more they cried, the more they danced around their altar. And he literally says they were hopping around the altar just like the nation of Israel was hopping around in their beliefs. And the crazier they looked and the more blood that was gushing as they cut themselves. It was silence from heaven. It was as quiet as it could be. No answer. And folks, whatever bail, so to speak, we find in life that we try to worship and serve, that's what we end up getting. All No answers. Quiet total absolute silence. And look what God does because the fire of God requires faith and action beginning with verse 30. After they finished all their hollering and screaming and jumping around Elijah sort of steps back and he watches all of this. And just imagine Elijah a smile must have started coming across Elijah's face. And Elijah steps up into the middle of all of this and he says, Y'all crazy. You're just as crazy as you can be. You're crazy as a loon. What's happened to Baal this afternoon? Has he taken a trip into another country? Is he busy and doesn't have time to listen to you? Maybe he's using the bathroom right now. And that's the reason he can't respond to you. What is wrong with y'all? And he lets them just continue to make fools out of themselves. And then when they have worn out and bled out. Elijah walks up to where the altar of God used to be. And it's all broken down. Now altars in the Old Testament in the ancient world were built for two reasons. One is that they spoke of the presence of God and the power of God in the midst of His people. And the second reason for an altar was it was to help focus the people to heaven and to the presence and work of God. And so when the altar was knocked down, it was saying that we're not looking to the Lord anymore. And we're not following Him anymore. And when the altar was knocked down, it was saying that the presence and power of God is gone. And so as they walk up there, he walks up there, he's still by himself. He's got 450 prophets that are walking around probably now almost in a a daze, bleeding, beat up, etc. And Elijah walks up there and there's 12 stones that he picks up. Now these would have been big stones. Now, you probably see pictures of Elijah, and usually most of these pictures are made out in the Middle Ages, and he looks like some little old emaciated prophet. You don't pick up big stones and lay them out unless you buff, all right? So Elijah's got some muscles up there, and he goes up there, and he starts taking a stone, and he puts it up there, and he starts putting another stone, and he starts putting another stone, and he starts, stone, and he starts to build this altar there in front of the nation. And it is dead silence as people watch this prophet build this altar. In front of the people. And then he takes the bull and he prepares it. And then he chops up the wood. Now follow me. Elijah has to get the twelve stones and pile them up. Elijah has to get the wood and chop it up. Elijah has to get the bull and slay it and prepare it. Nobody's helping Elijah. And man, how easy it is sometimes when you're serving the Lord to feel like nobody's helping me and I'm out and I'm doing this all by myself. It would have been so easy for Elijah to say, Listen, the rest of you, I don't give a flip. Why should I give a flip? It would have been easy for Elijah to say, I'm worn out and I'm tired of trying to stack stones here and rebuild an altar that y'all don't care about, so I'm going to give up and I'm going to walk away. But Elijah knew that the power of God and the presence of God and the fire of God was worth whatever blood, sweat, and tears he had to go through to get to it. And folks, sometimes God says, I'm going to put you through a building altar season in your life. I'm going to put you through a period of your life where you're going to feel alone and you're going to have to work and you're going to have to work hard to follow me and serve me because in doing so, you were demonstrating that you've got faith to believe me for an outpouring of my spirit. And believe me, if you stay at it and you stay at it long enough, I will honor and I see and I will move. And notice the next thing he does, verse 35. He says, once they got it all in place, he says, I want three jars of water. And I want you to pour these jars, these great big jars of water, and I want you to saturate the sacrifice and fill up the trench that is around it. And then Elijah prays. And notice what his prayer is in verse 37. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me. That this people... May know that you, O Lord, are God. And that you have turned their hearts back. Now notice the request of Elijah's heart to God. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God. Now the term Lord there is the personal name of God, Yahweh or Jehovah. And is the covenant name of God. And what Elijah is praying is, Lord, let the people know that you're keeping your side of the covenant. And that you are God. Now, in the name of God there is Elohim, and it means strong one, majestic one, powerful one. And what Elijah is praying is, let the people know that you keep your promise, and you are the strong one, you are the majestic one. And then notice the second part of his prayer, and that you have turned their hearts back. God, my prayer is that you will send your fire so that they will know that we are still in covenant with you, that you are strong and mighty. That was to pray that they would experience the character of God and then, God, that you would turn their hearts back to you, Lord. Now, in verse 36, right up from that, at the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob... Or Israel. Jacob's name was later changed to Israel. So it can be either one. O oh Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why does he pray and say God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Periodically in the Old Testament, you'll see that title of God used. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Let me tell you why Elijah is using that phrase here to address God. Because in the names of God he uses here, he's trying to say some important things to the Lord. in asking for the fire of God to fall. Abraham was the father of the nation of Israel. And God made a promise to Abraham back in the book of Genesis. Abraham, if you will follow me, I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the sands on the seashore. And Abraham, if you will follow me, I'm going to take you to a land that I will give you. Abraham's son is Isaac. When Isaac comes on, God comes to Isaac and he says, Isaac, I'm going to renew the covenant, the promise that I made to your father. And that is that you will get a land and you will have a people... And I'm going to make your descendants numerous. And then, when his son Jacob comes along, God comes to Jacob and he says, Jacob, I made a promise to your grandfather Abraham. I made a promise to your son Isaac, his son Isaac, your daddy. And I'm making the same promise to you. You're going to have numerous descendants and you are going to inherit a land. And then, through that promise from Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob, is that you're going to have a descendant someday who is going to rule the world. That was the messianic line from which Jesus would come. So when Elijah stands up there in front of the whole nation, he's calling them back to the original covenant promise God had made. And what he's saying is this, Israel, though you have turned your back on God and walked away from Him, God is here today and He is really waiting and ready to renew His covenant with you because He's the God who keeps His promises. The God of Abraham is the God who kept His promise to Abraham. The God of Isaac is the God who keeps His promise to Isaac. And the God of Jacob is the God who keeps His promise to Jacob. And He is here and He will keep His promises that He's made to you. And folks, you and I periodically in life have to come back to that fact that the lord has made a commitment to us he's made a promise to us and god keeps his word and those of us who walk with jesus and follow jesus have an even greater promise and that is that god made the final complete covenant with us in the blood of his son on the cross and sealed it with the resurrection and then sealed it even more inside of us when he placed the holy spirit in us so god keeps his word god keeps his promises and so he says god Of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I am asking you right now to send your fire. And to prove to these people who you are. And God to pour out your fire. And to turn their hearts Lord back to you. And to make everybody understand that God can take on the impossible. And win every time. I want you to just pour all this water out on everything. And saturate and drench the altar and the sacrifice. And fill up the trenches. God loves to take on the impossible in front of a crowd. God loves to take on the impossible in front of a crowd. And folks, sometimes, not sometimes, a whole lot of times, God is going to take us to places where it looks totally impossible. There's no way we can get the job done. And God has set it up because He likes to show up and show off. To show that He can take on the impossible. We just got to get down on our knees and say, God, we need a miracle from you. We want to see what you're going to do and how you're going to do it. Now, verse 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and looked up the water that was in the trench. The fire of God fell. If you notice in your sermon notes i have written out there where the fire of God in Scripture represents. First of all, the fire of God speaks of God destroying sin and purifying His people. In Genesis chapter 15 and verse 17, the presence of God is represented as a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch. In Exodus chapter 3 and verse 2, God confronts Moses through the burning bush. In Ezekiel chapter 1 and verse 27, God has the appearance of fire. In the book of Revelation, chapter 4 and verse 5, it says that lightning flashes from God's throne. It is the idea that the fire of God overcomes the darkness of the powers of evil. In the book of Acts, when the Spirit of God fell, it says that He came on the disciples in tongues of fire. There are several ways that fire is metaphoric in Scripture of the presence of God and the work of God. First of all, the fire of God speaks of God cleansing and purifying us. It causes us to begin to worship God. It empowers us to serve God. And the idea of the fire of God is that when the fire of God falls, you cannot control it. You can't hold fire unless you just really get into burning yourself. You can't control fire. Now, follow me on this, folks. A lot of times we want the blessing of God, but we don't want the fire of God. And the reason we don't want the fire of God is because deep in our souls, we recognize that we can't control the fire of God. When God breaks out and when God goes to work, we can't control that. And so many times we want enough of God that we feel like we can control that part of God that He reveals Himself and shows us and demonstrates. But we don't want all of God because we know we can't control all of God. But when God comes to us and works in our lives, He says, I'm not going to give you just enough so that you feel like you can control this. You either got to have all of me or none of me. When you get all of me, you can't control it i got to control you. Same thing with the church. We can't say, God, give us enough of a blessing so that we can control the blessing. Rather, we have to say, Lord, pour yourself out. And if we can't control it, well, we're not going to be able to control it. And we're comfortable with the fact, God, that we can't control you. That you have the privilege and the right to do whatever you want to, any way that you want to. Now notice verse 39. How did the people respond? And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. When all the people saw it, they saw the fire of God. What did they do? They fell on their faces. That was an act of submission and worship to God. Now I want you to see the contrast. They went from limping to bowing. They went from limping and hopping back and forth to bowing. And the fire of God and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit will take us from limping to bowing. And then notice what they said. You see, when Elijah first went and said, are you going to follow God? They were dead silent. Wouldn't say anything. Now notice what they're saying. The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. The word Lord there in your English translations is capital L-O-R-D. Again, it's the personal name of God, Yahweh. God there... Capital G, small case O and D is the Hebrew name of God, Elohim. So, what they're saying is Yahweh is Elohim. Yahweh is Elohim. Had you been there on Mount Carmel that day, this is what you would have seen. Thousands of people getting down on their knees, putting their faces on the ground in an act of worship and submission to God. And then all they would have been saying over and over again is Yahweh is Elohim, Yahweh is Elohim. What were they saying by calling out His name like that? They were saying God keeps His promises and He is strong and He is majestic to do so. Yahweh the promise keeper. Is Elohim. He is the strong one, the majestic one, the powerful one. Oh, folks, would you please hear me on this. When the fire of God falls on us, well, we will begin to confess it's the same thing. Yahweh is Elohim. Yahweh is Elohim. He keeps His promises, and He is the strong one. The New Testament way of saying that is simply this. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. I don't care what my situation, Jesus is Lord. I don't care what I'm facing, Jesus is Lord. I don't care where I am in life. Jesus is Lord. I don't care whether it's a good day or a bad day, Jesus is Lord. Whatever the temptation is that Satan is trying to drag me into, Jesus is Lord. Whatever it is that's defeating me and trying to ground my face in the ground, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. I'm going to bow before Him, and I'm going to worship Him, and I'm going to confess over and over that Jesus is Lord. And someday when He comes again, and we are in His presence, we will bow before Him, and we will say, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord. And folks, when that day comes for each of us, when this life ends, and we go over on the other side through the... Means of death. What will we do when we stand in Jesus' presence? I can't tell you all the details of heaven. The Bible doesn't tell you. But I can tell you what we are going to do. The first thing we're going to do on the other side. Is we're going to drop to our knee. And we're going to say. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Are we hungry. For his lordship. And for his outpouring. Let me conclude. With a story. Of how his fire falls. Years ago when I was pastor of. Red Lane Baptist Church in Powhatan. We were doing in those days what we called the Norfolk Mission Trip. We call it for shrimp now. And we went to a section of Norfolk called Park Place. Now Park Place in those days. Was known for being one of the roughest sections of Norfolk. They had shootings and prostitution and drugs, the whole bit. And uh, the Lord called us to work with in the Old Park Place Baptist Church alongside another small storefront church called Holy Trinity Church. And so we worked with those two churches. And we had an awesome week. I think we came up to like 150 kids from the neighborhood that came in for that vacation Bible school. We uh, did the Bible schools in the first years there in the, in the fellowship hall of that church, which was in the basement underneath the sanctuary. And if you ever go into basements in Hampton Roads, you are guaranteed lots of mold, lots of mildew, and lots of moisture because the water table is so high. And we were down in this musty fellowship hall, and it was loud. I mean, it was hard surfaces all around, but the kids loved it. And we cranked the music up, and I used to joke the kids would all come forward to the front of the fellowship hall to do the choreography. And they would get into it. I used to say it's the only Bible school I've ever done. It had a mosh pet in it. And, uh, but those kids would get up there, and they'd just start dancing back and forth with music and all that. Well, we had a great week. On well, Friday night, Bible school was over with. Kids were leaving. And I was standing out in front of the church trying to get the um, team on the vans to leave. And this mom comes walking up to me with her son, who had been in the Bible schools. Boy had on jeans. He had on his shirt. Had dirt all over it. And she walked up to me with her son. And he looked to be about seven or eight years of age. And she said to me, I want to thank you for this week. She said, the children in this neighborhood do not have much to laugh about. And they don't laugh much. And you don't hear much laughter in this neighborhood. She said, but this week, this neighborhood has been filled with laughter. This week, this neighborhood has been filled with laughter. And as I stood there looking at her and she spoke those words to me, all that junk that was in that neighborhood had been knocked aside by Jesus. And when Jesus takes over the neighborhood, there's going to be a lot of laughter in it. When Jesus takes over our lives, there's going to be a lot of laughter. When Jesus takes over the church, there's going to be a lot of laughter. Because the lordship of Jesus will show up in our heart and show up on our face. And he knocks all the junk down in his lordship. The presence, the fire of God is known in the joy of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you. And Father, you will call us all, sooner or later, to some Mount Carmel's. And we may feel in those hours all alone. But we are never alone. And Father, remind us that it only takes one to believe for the power of God, and for the demonstration of the glory of God. Only one. And Lord Jesus, if we will call out upon you in that hour, you will show yourself mighty. You are Yahweh, the God who keeps His promise, and you are Elohim, the God who is all-powerful, and majestic, and strong. And Jesus... You will work to bring us and whoever else to Lord. Get on our knees and just say, Jesus is Lord. If you're here today and you've never said that to Him, I want to invite you in just a moment as we sing to say, Today I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I want to give my life to Him, my future to Him, my steps to Him. Who I am and who I will be. I want to give all that I am to all that Jesus is. I'm going to follow Him. I invite you to come. We'd love to pray with you about making the most important decision you can ever make in life. If God's moving upon you to make any other decision, I encourage you to make that as we sing and if it needs to be made publicly. And I encourage you to do that. Father have your way with us now. As we say to you. Jesus you are Lord. Let's stand together and sing. Come if you will.